Will you pray with me? Love, O Lord, is our context. Your love is the foundation of our life and of our faith. We cry out to you today that as we meditate on your word, that your spirit would speak to our hearts, that we might be moved to a deeper understanding and a deeper commitment to the love that you offer to the world. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My emphasis in seminary was more with Greek language. We were required by my seminary to take one of the ancient languages. And since there is an Old Testament that is written in Greek um, uh, from about the first or second century uh, that we refer to as the Septuagint, I thought that Greek would serve me a lot better. Uh, So I'm very clumsy with the Hebrew, but there is this word, berit. You can barely see it written in the clouds above. It means covenant. And the root word seems to be something that means to bind up or to shackle or to tie. It's an incredible idea that God would bind himself to the people of God. Because it brings the notion of vulnerability to the table, of self-limitation. The limitless possibilities of what God can be are now limited by God. As the great Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann said, somewhere between the fourth and fifth chapter of Genesis and the ninth chapter of Genesis, God's own self changed his mind. And that's a scary thought for some people. We like to park our theology in a place where God is changeless, static, out there somewhere, just dependable and like a rock, and God has a plan, perfect plan for everything in the world. And we want it to be that way so that we don't have to do much work with God. I mean, it's hard enough for me to get along with all of you, let alone have to deal with God on an occasional basis. But this is precisely what God is longing for, for you and I to do our work side by side with him to relate, to connect, to belong. The ancient part of the story says that God began to be unhappy. After the descendants of Adam and Eve went out to populate the earth, God began to be unhappy because human beings were doing all kinds of loathsome things to one another. So God determined that He was just going to start all over. As I spoke to the children, God took the cosmic etch-a-sketch and shook it really hard. But only at the last minute did he decide to put something in the ark that would be worth preserving. The only pin speck of the first creation that would come through to the rest. You'll pardon the ancients if they're trying to find some way of explaining how we got to where we are. And the good news is that all of us are by some measure or other descendants of Adam and Eve, but also descendants of Noah and his family. 
I have come to believe in my heart that what was being preserved in that ark was something very special to God, very precious, and that was that there was a, some kind of a semblance of righteousness in Noah. Now, for the Hebrew people, that righteousness uh, was a righteousness that was built not only of an attitude or of a heart, but of action, right behavior. And in a world that had gone completely wild, was off the rails, God looked down and here was Noah still staying with the course. And so he bottled that up and kept it and set it afloat. Many years later, the Hebrew people would have a name for where they put their Ten Commandments. They called it an ark. I guess what I want to say this morning to you is that we're going to be looking at five core passages from what we call the Old Testament. And for the Hebrew people, they are very special passages indeed because they are moments when the covenant of God takes on a shape or a meaning and becomes refined. And, it, and it's a story of God revealing his heart and his love for the world in greater and greater detail. And we carry over this idea of covenant clear into the New Testament. As we sit with Jesus in the upper room, what does he say? Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Take. This is my blood of a new covenant. Yet one more time, God changing his mind about the way things are. We're going to see the depth of this love of God for all of his creation grow and bloom through these passages. But for today, we sit ourselves at the top of Mount Ararat. We open the doors of the ark. We finally let uh, fresh air into the place. And after 40 days and nights with the animals, that's got to be a good thing. <laughs> Incidentally, my wife is planning to run in a 10K with a friend of hers in a few weeks. And it's going to be taking place in Chino. And the... And the organizers of this race have called it the Dairy Air <laughs> 10K. Um, so throw the doors of the ark open with me and let the fresh air in. And, and step outside with me onto the dry land and realize with me that whatever was there before we went into the ark is gone. None of it remains. <laughs> it's a very curious thing about human beings, but with a whole new blank slate open before them, some of them will run right back into the ark because it is the last single vestige of what they used to know. So they cling to it. Desperately. Come on out. No, I don't want to. This is something familiar. This is something I know. This is something I can hang on to. And the heart of God begins to break and ache because God says, now I am something that you could hang on to. I am someone you could be familiar with. I am someone who could lead you. This is the way it was in the old days. But here's how it's going to be as you go forward. Now, we picked up in the middle of the conversation as God says, as for my part, I make my covenant with all of creation, with every creature on the earth, 
all the descendants of all the critters that climbed off the ark. I make my covenant with them and with you that I will never again destroy the earth or anything that is on it. What is jarring is what comes right before as God is talking about human beings and animals. He says you can have the animals to eat, but don't eat their blood because their blood is their life and blood is God's business. And when a man sheds blood of another man, then his blood will be shed by another man. The people have drawn a circle around that verse and they have used it as a justification for capital punishment for years and years and years. God demands, God decrees that if somebody kills somebody else, then we should kill them too. Listen again with me, friends, to the heart of God in this passage. God is saying, I am making my covenant with all creation that the next time death comes across the world, it is not going to be by my hands. But I can't say what you are going to do to one another. Only don't blame the hand of God when it happens. If the man, blood of a man is shed, then you put the responsibility where it lies. With the others who do the bloodletting. Well, how are we to respond to that? We respond by learning the heart of God. By running as fast as we can into the love of God. God's going to take four or five whacks at it through this, past, this series that we're going to go through in covenant. And each time we're going to see more and more of the heart of God peeled back and revealed. Yes, God even loves us so much that God is going to covenant with us personally. But before we get all carried away with our own personal walk, we need to stand back and see with awe the majestic covenant that God has made with all of his creation. I will not destroy. So what are you going to do? Noah, Ham, Shem, Japheth, what are you going to do? How will you respond? Now, the world in every generation has a choice of how we'll respond to this love. And sometimes it's a shattering choice. I had a high school track coach my older brother had gone through and survived a season with him and said, now, he's not the head coach, but he's the guy that will make you good. So you got to get in with him. He works out down by the junior college in the summer. So you got to go talk your way in there. And so I was just going into high school and I got to get on this guy's team. And, you know, it's going to be, I'm going to be, I'm going to commit. I'm going to make myself good, right? Well, this guy was the original Fonzie. His parents had divorced when he was in his teenage years. His father and he were living in an apartment, and one day his dad never came home, and he found out two years later that his dad had remarried <laughs> and moved out on him. He had a high school diploma. He was barely 22 years old. He was working as the athletic trainer for my high school, taping the ankles of all the football players. And while he was doing all that work, he worked himself all the way through Cal State Fullerton, then he went on to get a doctorate in chiropractic, and eventually he, he was a pioneer in doing chiropractic adjustment under anesthesia. 
He's published over and over again. He, all of this from a guy who could, barely, who could barely look out for himself, but he was my coach. And he found out that I lived just a few blocks away. So while the rest of the team was stretching uh, some afternoons, he would send me over to the house to get him a sandwich or something to eat. And that was my warm-up for the day. And eventually he started hanging around because in my family there was a, a special kind of love there. My front door was always open and people were always hanging out. And, he, and we found out, we on the team found out it was going to be his birthday. And so I had my mom make a cake for him. And we talked him into driving us home after a workout one day. And we said, I, come in, I've got to show you something. We came in, we lit up the, can, the, the candles and we sang happy birthday to him. And he stood there with his face as stony as granite. And when we finished, happy birthday to you, he took one of the candles, turned it over, stuffed it in the cake, and walked out the door. And he grabbed me by the shirt the next day and said, don't you ever do anything like that to me again. I tell you, Love is swirling all around us in this world, but when it finally hits home, for some people, they've got to run right back to the ark. It's just too much. They can't take it. And so God says, I'm making my covenant with all of you, with all of you. And I know that there are, every generation is filled with people who just can't absorb, can't take on, can't receive that kind of love from God. And they lash out in anger. I just don't want us to call that God's will when it happens. Because the witness of Scripture is that it is not the will of God that we should hurt and maim one another. It is never the will of God. God wants the best for all of creation. That's the proclamation from today's passage. And while we may go again and again and again and break covenant with God... We now have a God who remembers. God changed his mind and God remembers and God is faithful. God never relents from his side of the covenant that he makes. You know how I know that? Because God made a post-it note and stuck it right up there in the sky, a giant rainbow. And God says, for you, it's going to be a sign that I have taken my... Here's the funny part about it. Back in the day, the ancients thought that when the lightning flashed across the sky, that God the warrior had taken his bow and arrow and shot it through the sky. That the flashes of lightning were the arrows of some angry God in the sky. And the rainbow was seen as the bow of the hunter. So God says, when you see it, you will know that I've put my bow away. I'm not going to use it anymore. And I'll see it. And I'll remember that I've put my bow away and I'm not going to use it anymore. And never again will I come to destroy the earth by my hand. Oh, friends, what we do to one another in the name of God, the pain that we inflict on one another and search in our theological Gymnastics for ways to say it was God, it was God, it was God who did it. We even like to say, well, that the, the New Testament is, is sort of uh, a new and improved version 
of the Old Testament. So you can disregard what's in the Old Testament and, then, and that way we can make God the angry one responsible for all the carnage in the Old Testament. But it's right here in Genesis. God is not the one. What God said is, I will be with you as you hurt and maim and destroy one another. I will be with you. My heart will be breaking. My love will be present in every circumstance. So much easier to say God did that, God caused it, but no, what God is saying is some stuff is taking place because you're doing this to one another, but I will be with you, and I won't punish, but I will love, and I won't destroy, but my hand will save. I wonder how far we could push that covenant love of God. I wonder to what extremes we can ask God to go. I wonder, could we even ask him to send his son so we could play around and see what we could do to him? The love of God is steadfast. God's faithfulness is to every generation. His covenant promise inexorably tied to us. We're about to watch a great race where the human species is racing away from God's love, turning the candle over in the cake, clinging to its ark and to its memories of what used to be. And God is throwing open to us a brand new future and a brand new world, one that is ruled by love and the faithfulness of God. And I wonder what we'll do with that choice. I wonder. Covenant. But it. I don't even know if I want to be in covenant. It does not matter. Where God's creation is concerned, we are tied to it, bound to it by the strength and the steadfast love of God. Hmm. Look upon the world through God's eyes this week. Remember that it's all of it that he came to save. That we are being transformed in the love of Christ. But that this transformation has been taking place for thousands and thousands of years. Ultimately, it will become a matter of life and death. But we know this already because we're Christians. Paul said whenever we... uh, Whenever we come to Christ, whenever we come to communion, whenever we, can, we rehearse again the passion and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's death and resurrection, friends. It is death and resurrection. It's not a, a makeover. It's not the same old me with a new veneer. It is death and resurrection. And we see it's seeds in the covenant that God makes after a flood and a rainbow and an ark holding a speck of righteousness that God thought worthy to preserve. That speck is inside every one of you. Don't doubt it for a minute. It is in you.
get out of the ark. Find that speck. Run with it. Run with God. The author of our covenant of faith. Amen.